Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 649 of the podcast and it is Thursday the 13th of October 2022 as I record this. In today's in between episode, I have a discussion with author, artist and book cover designer Derek Murphy about options around AI art. So make sure to have a look at the show notes and the transcript as I've included links and images of my own AI generated art as well as Derek's and more examples. So I started using AI generated art earlier in the year to pair with my ebook special edition NFTs on OpenSea. If you go to jfpen.com forward slash NFTs, so NFTS, you'll find some of my images generated with a tool based on Dahl E, which was in closed beta, but is now open to everyone. <laughs> and uh, you can just go to openai.com and it will take you through to the Dahl E2 engine. And you can just, uh, you get a certain number of images for free and then you can pay for more. So definitely worth a play. I've also been having a go with Midjourney, which creates some beautiful art. As Derek says, Dolly 2 is smarter and more exact, but Midjourney has some beautiful, beautiful images. So Dolly 2 is definitely easier to use. So I suggest you start there. And uh, Midjourney is a little more complicated, but if you want to get into it, it's, it's very interesting. So there are obviously problems and controversies which I discuss with Derek, including the fact that these models are trained on human artists' work. And while the output is not plagiarism because it's not directly copying, many think artists should be compensated for training the models or able to opt out of being a model. Now, I covered this and also aspects of bias and copyright in my 2020 book, AI, Blockchain and Virtual Worlds. And also in my course more recently that I did uh, this year, I think, uh, on the AI assisted author, which you can find at thecreativepen.com forward slash learn, which goes into the mindset side of things, as well as things like prompt generation, how to do prompting, ethics, copyright, different tools for writing fiction, nonfiction, poetry, content marketing and more. Now, This has really gone mainstream in the last few months. Uh, It's really taken off, but it is rapidly going into the mainstream. So TechCrunch reported yesterday, as I record this, that Microsoft will be integrating Dolly 2 with the newly announced Microsoft Designer app and the image creator tool in Bing and Microsoft Edge. Now, perhaps you're like me, you haven't used Bing since it was released, or perhaps you do as part of your, I mean, I'm on Mac, uh, but you know, if you're in, uh, if you're on a PC, maybe you don't use Bing anyway. But in this, this article is really interesting on TechCrunch. So first of all, it says, um, 
OpenAI reports that 1.5 million users are actively creating over 2 million images a day with Dolly 2, including artists, creative directors and authors. Big brands such as Nestle and Heinz have piloted Dolly 2 for ad campaigns and other commercial use cases, while certain architectural firms have used it to conceptualise new buildings. And it's a really good conceptualization tool. So Microsoft is launching Designer, a Canva-like web app that can generate designs for presentations, posters, postcards, invitations, graphics, and more to share on social media and other channels. It will leverage user-created content and Dolly 2 to ideate designs with lots of options for customization and personalization. So, and will generate things at the right size for Instagram and all of that. Image Creator is heading to Bing and Edge and Image Creator is going to be free. (laughs) I was reading this going, this is taking it super mainstream, super fast. So there will be uh, bing.com forward slash create or through the image creator icon if if you use Edge. It will generate art given a text prompt by funneling requests to Dali 2. To create images that don't yet exist, limited only by your imagination. So what we're talking about is writing text into the box and then generating images, if if you weren't aware. So, yeah, this will be free to use. Now, Google has Imagine, Imagine, I-M-A-G-E-N, and maybe that will end up in Chrome since Microsoft are going to do that in Bing. Because if I can, I'm using some of the free stuff on Dolly 2 right now, but eventually I'll have to pay. But if Bing is going to do it for free, then that really might bring people over to their browser. So I've also been using stock photo sites for images on my blog for years, but now I'm just starting to use Dolly 2 to generate custom images. And the the image that goes with this post I did on Midjourney, and there are more examples on there. So as Derek and I discussed, this will certainly change aspects of stock photography, because why would I buy the same picture of a pen on a notebook, which I have to do a lot of with a writing specific site when I can just uh, use, generate an image for myself. So yeah, as I mentioned in our discussion, my brother is a fashion designer. One of my brothers is a fashion designer. Uh, The other one's a photographer. Uh, But the fashion designer brother said he mentioned that people at his company are using Midjourney to generate concepts to use as inspiration for products. And I think that using this as part of your creative process is very, very interesting. And as ever, I am excited. You can probably tell both Derek and I are excited, not afraid. It's about using the AI tools. And as Kevin Kelly says in the inevitable brilliant book, it's about working with the robots, not against them in order to achieve our creative vision. And as we talk about, there's almost a role for a new job emerging. So I've uh, someone like Derek, who is a visual artist anyway, is generating some beautiful images that I can't hope to generate myself. So I think there's a new job emerging, which is a AI prompt expert or an AI creative director who can work with you to drive these tools to create what you want. And certainly, I think there's lots of people who would want to hire them to create custom images. I mean, I 
already I want to kind of say, look, I want to work side by side with a human who can drive the engine to to rapidly create a whole load of images for me. So yeah, I definitely think that is a new kind of role we're going to see. I think people will hire themselves out to do that, but as a a, a prompt driver, (laughs) maybe. But yeah, if you have a go, you'll see what I mean. Also, we mentioned that both Google and Meta for Facebook are developing video generation tools. So you'll be able to generate entire videos. So a book trailer or an animation or whatever you want with text. So this AI area, AI for creativity, and I guess turns into marketing because marketing is creative and there's a lot of creativity used in marketing. So yeah, this is changing so fast. And as ever, I will try and surf the wave (laughs) and bring you with me on the ride. But I hope you will have a go at this and also that this might help you understand the possibilities for AI in writing or music or whatever creative industry you're in. You can find more of my episodes on this. So, for example, on GPT-3, which is the text what OpenAI's text generation tool is at thecreativepen.com forward slash future. Lots there in all of these areas. So this episode is sponsored by my course, as I mentioned, on the AI assisted author, which you can find at thecreativepen.com forward slash learn. And it goes into a whole load of stuff around mindset, ethics, copyright, tools and more. This episode is also supported by my wonderful patrons who essentially fund my brain. And the time I mean, this episode took loads of time to do the notes because I've been generating things. And although the corporate sponsorship on the other episodes pays for hosting and transcription, my time is absolutely paid for by my patrons. If you are a patron, you get access to a private Q&A every month where I answer questions on writing, marketing, publishing and AI and futurist type topics, mindset, anything you want. You can support the show with just a couple of dollars a month at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the creative pen. And Uh, They have a lot of different currencies as well. Right, let's get into the discussion with Derek. Derek Murphy writes urban fantasy, YA and romance fiction, as well as books for authors on writing and marketing. He has a PhD in literature and is also a visual artist, designer and course creator. So welcome back to the show, Derek. Hi, thanks for having me on. It's been a long time since we've talked. It has indeed. And I mean, you you and I go way back now. You designed some of my early book covers. I want to say like 15 years or something. I think I found one of your books in Portland a long, long time ago. And I was really excited because I wanted to be a writer. So that kind of got me onto the path. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of crazy how long we've known each other online. But yeah, you were on the show in 2014 talking about book cover design. I can't believe how time passes. But give us a bit of an update. What does your author business and your author life look like right now? Sure. I started with fine art. I was a painter. I did my PhD in literature. And then I was doing editing and painting. And then I transitioned towards book cover design. So I did that for quite a long time. But book cover design has changed a lot in the last 10 years because of all the new technologies. But in the last few years, I switched more to passive income with some courses so that I could focus on my fiction. And in the last basically five years, I think I've written like 20, 20 something novels, but I haven't finished a whole series yet. And this month I'm finally finishing a full series, which is kind of a big deal. So I've been doing like just enough work 
to get by. But now that I have a finished series, I think I can focus more on my fiction as an income revenue, which hasn't been the case so far. Mm, wait, what's your fiction name so people know? I use DS Murphy, and then I also use Drake Mason as a pen name. And it's mostly like Twilight with mermaids and vampires and things like that. So young adult, plot-heavy fantasy, I guess. No, that's cool. And we might come back to the mermaids because you've got some cool stuff on that too. But I wanted to talk to you because I know you're a multi-passionate creative. You're very visual, also very words, obviously. But today we're talking about AI for art, which is pretty contentious in the world as we record this in October 2022. But let's start with the attitude to AI. So why are you interested in AI as someone who's done some pretty traditional work in the creative sphere? Uh, Right. So as an artist, I understand the frustration because it's weird. Like I was never the greatest artist. I had really big ideas and I just couldn't execute with oil painting. Now I could recreate the same idea much better in a minute and it just looks awesome. So I'm not exactly torn because I, I, I like the art that I'm making. I think the AI art is is really, really good looking. It's really fast. I don't have to pay a lot of money for a designer and wait for designs. So for me, it's new enough that when I share images, it's going to make a really big difference in marketing. I'm not totally sure if I'll use them for coverage yet, because we'll discuss later, you know, why or why not. But it just, it looks so good that when you put it up online, people are like, wow, how did you make that? Where did that come from? Are you the artist? And so real artists are getting really upset because they don't feel like AI art is real art. They think that art requires skill and hard work or passion. Like the struggle to create something is where the art comes from. And if it was just made quickly, no matter how beautiful it is, it doesn't count because there was no struggle. I don't really believe that. I think that's kind of a leftover of the starving artist mentality where like it's the same discussion you hear with People who write books quickly and they write lots of books because they know what they're doing. People who are still struggling with their first book say, well, my book was hard work. I suffered for my art. So my my book is art, even if nobody likes it. Whereas those people who just pump out books, it's not art, even if they sell a lot of copies and the readers love the books. I think that's a weird argument to make, but it's the mindset a lot of creative people are kind of stuck on. Mm, No, I agree. And I was actually going to use that example too. It's the sort of what is real art if the viewer likes and has an emotional connection with what they're looking at in the same way Mm -hmm. that a reader can read a book that was written quickly and love it. And they can read a book that took 20 years to write and they didn't love it. Who who are we? I mean, we have an opinion as a creator, but the opinion of the person on the other end, the consumer Mm -hmm can be completely different, right? And I figured that out a long time ago when I started my blog. My creative indie is all about, I was a starving artist and I just wanted to do my thing and believe in my art. But at some point you have to figure out that real art has value to other people. It impacts other people in an emotional way and you can't control that. It doesn't matter how much time or effort or intention you put into it. It comes down to, does the market respond? Does the audience respond? So some creative people think that that's selling out if you make something that other people like. But I think that's kind of just the definition of of good art. It, it either works or doesn't. So I'm pretty functional in that I could make tons of things, but I want to make things that people 
like, and hopefully enough that they like enough to pay for so that I can keep making more of the art that I want to make. Absolutely. Okay. So the reason I emailed you, obviously, I know you online, but I had no idea you were into this stuff. And you did this great post about creating with Mid Journey. And then you just, you put up another one of like a hundred black mermaids or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was brilliant to riff off the controversy around that. And you right. do, you've produced some beautiful images, but tell us what you've been doing. So what tools have you been u- using and how has your prompting worked? Sure. I've been using Mid Journey more than the other tools. There there are three or four main big tools and they're all a little bit different. So Midjourney is the first one that came to the public. So it's the fastest growing one. And when I started this, I think it came out to the public like three or four months ago. And my first ones weren't that great, but already every week they're getting much, much better. So the art that I'm putting out now is already way better than the stuff from just a month or two ago. And with Midjourney, they're all text to image prompts. So I type in dark skinned mermaid under the sea, and then I can just type in famous artists or famous styles. I can change the ratio or the resolution. I can add detail. It does make quite a bit of difference how you organize your prompts, your text. Sometimes you'll get something amazing just by describing what you want. I've even seen some really cool stuff with like, take a quote from your book or take a review from your book or a scene from your book and just put the text in or like a Bible quote. I've seen some really cool things, but you can also just describe, you know, I want a girl standing in a meadow with a vampire skull and a dagger or whatever, and it'll try to figure it out. It'll probably get it wrong for a while, but once you get something that's pretty cool, you can just re-spin it. And the really interesting thing happens when when you keep re-spinning. So I'll go through something for a couple hours until I find something that's really neat. And then it might take me another day or two and thousands of images where I'm just re-spinning the same thing. And it's giving me slight variations with more detail until I get some things that are just off the walls crazy because you can get something very nice, which is comparable to stock photography and uh, high-level creative concept art like character design. But you can also get something that's just mind-blowing, basically. And that's what you kind of want, because you have a unique opportunity right now to make art that hasn't been seen before, that people haven't seen before, that's not a stock photo, that's just cool enough to share. And that's what I'm really excited about. Also, just the variety. So if I had made one Black Mermaid picture, it's not really a big deal. But if I make 100 of them, I can basically own the internet. I can get all the search traffic just for that post. Anybody who is searching for images of black mermaids. There's not going to be a lot out there or they're going to be really spread out and I can kind of host them all in one place. So like you mentioned, I can cash in on the controversy a little bit by claiming that search traffic. And then I also write mermaid books. So once they're on my site, I can try to detour them towards something else. So much there. The first thing I want to come back on is the process. So I've got a course on the AI assisted author, and I think it's really difficult for people to imagine until they try this, but it's essentially a prompt followed by iteration and then curation. Because as you said, it is not hard to generate an image. What's difficult is getting the right prompt that takes you Mm -hmm. to the creative direction you want. And then iterating through the process, finding things that, that match or are heading towards what you want. And then a curation of the final output, right? And it's almost like 
people think there's an easy button, but you mentioned there are a couple of hours and then a day or so to kind of put all this together. So as someone who also creates your own art from scratch, how has this changed the way you think about generating images or even text or music or whatever? Like how does the human artist work with the tools and still drive it? Mm-hmm. I think most people... They would make art because they need it for something. Most authors, especially. I bought all sorts of digital assets. I bought music or videos because I want to use them in a video or an advertisement. And I buy stock photography if I want to use them in a book cover design. But this means I don't have to buy those things. So the really interesting thing is going to be right now, there are huge marketplaces where you can buy digital assets. And there are people who make those assets and everybody else who just needs something. And so they pay to download it. This was going to bypass a lot of marketplaces and new marketplaces are already, there's already a stock image site where you can type in a prompt and instead of finding existing images, it'll just generate new images for you. I think that's going to be a big model going forward. So it's going to really threaten stock photo sites and the photographers or the artists who sell their work that way because this is just a new way of creating the content that people need. For book covers specifically, like when I started, I had to just use stock photos. So if I wanted to do a sci-fi or fantasy cover, that was really hard because I couldn't find a detailed, glamorous armor girl in a dress in the forest or whatever. I'd have to Photoshop all that together with a bunch of random pictures. And I could do it. It would take a long time, but I could do a pretty good job of it. And then in the last five years or so, people started using 3D renders instead. So with Daz 3D, they can create like a mock-up model and render that 3D um, character and then add a background and add text. So the covers got much better in the last five years, but they all sort of look the same, which is not a problem at all for me. I think covers should look the same. I think you should be trying to make a cover that looks like the other covers in your genre so that you fit in. And I've always kind of told people, I don't really recommend custom illustrated art because that's not really what's selling in most genres. It's too hard to produce. It doesn't really look as good. So I would like photo manipulation for book covers. And I still basically believe that. But the art that I'm already making with AI right now, the problem is that it's much better than the book covers that I've already designed. So I'm excited to use it because I can get a lot of visibility for it, because it's something that stands out just by looking really cool. Uh, But I have to also make sure that my book covers match the art. I don't want, like if I'm using Facebook ads and my art is amazing, and then I click over to my Amazon page, I can use the same images for my A-plus content. But if my cover doesn't match the vibe or the mood of my really cool AI art, I may have to redo all my covers as well to kind of make sure that they mesh. Um, Mm. I think it's an exciting time because we're still the edge of it. So like, I'm excited to finish my series right now because I can use all this stuff right now in another year. I think most authors will be using this in some capacity. Yeah, I I know what you mean. It's interesting. You mentioned they're like stock photography. And as we record this again, uh, beginning of October 2022, very important to timestamp it because things change so quickly. Uh Some of the stock sites have banned AI content, but equally said they will support artists who use 
generative art as part of their process. And I I was talking to my brother yesterday, who is a fashion designer, and he said that a lot of people are using mid-journey to come up with concepts Mm -hmm. that they then tweak to turn into 3D designs for new fashion. And I've seen this, I've seen some amazing, if people go on social media, if you go on, say, Instagram and use hash mid-journey, for example, you can find just, and Twitter, you can find amazing art with fabrics. I've I've seen Mm -hmm. some of the fabrics from the AI and it's just beautiful. So it's almost like, and you're an artist, right? So you can do an AI picture and then you can put it in Photoshop and you can change it. So where's the line? And I find this so interesting. Where's the line between 100% AI, which basically is these sites are banning, Google's banning, that kind of thing to 100% human. Do you think you're going to just move that slider up and down? Yeah. So there's a lot of art right now. Midjourney is great. I'm going to discuss about some of the other tools. Midjourney is great with details. So it does amazing, like beautiful dresses. It does really good illustrated art, like traditional fantasy, like a 1980s sci-fi poster or something like that. But it also has really good photorealistic stuff. So I can get like a photo image of a character instead of using a stock photo face that is going to be on a bunch of other covers. I can get something that's really unique that looks like a photograph, but is too pretty to be real. Like I couldn't have made it even with photography, but it's not quite there yet on all of the details. So if I want to make a complex scene where the character is standing with a dragon behind them and a castle on a mountain somewhere, I can't dictate where all of the pieces are going to show up. And it gets tricky with like hands and fingers and faces because it can't do everything all at once. But sometimes it's sort of guessing in one direction that's a little bit closer, and then you go in that direction. Right now, most of my art, I could, like for some of my book covers, if I want to use them for book covers, it's not quite there yet with mid-journey. And I'd have to put them all in Photoshop and choose different elements, and then maybe replace the face or fix the hands and fingers. I don't think in another month or two, I don't think I'll have to do any of that. So I'm not really in a rush because I think uh, soon it's just going to be perfect And then there's not really any sense in going back to Photoshop. And the nice thing about Midjourney too is that it does really good with emotional scenes. The problem with Photoshop is if you're not very good at Photoshop, you can put all the elements together. You can put the character and the background and the text, but it just won't look very good and it won't look very emotional. The best you can hope for is that it communicates the genre really well, which is what you want. But it would be great if you can also hook them with a really strong emotional like this is just beautiful artwork. And Midjourney does that really well. The other one that's, I don't think fully public yet is Dolly 2, but it will be fully public in another month or so. I think Dolly 2 is smarter, but it's not pretty. So some of the tests I did, for example, I want this artwork where the Grim Reaper is kind of, he's got his arms wrapped around this girl in a white dress. So that positioning between two characters is really tricky. I can't get Midjourney to do anything quite like it. So I'd have to Photoshop elements together to make what I want. But in Dolly 2, I can already put in some other artwork that is the idea that I want, the concept that I want, and it will understand the scene well enough to recreate the scene. You know, like basically a Grim Reaper with his arms around a girl flying away. It's ugly in Dolly 2, but it understands the concept and it gets much closer to what's the idea of this piece. I think Midjourney is more beautiful and probably always will be more beautiful, but 
Dolly 2 is probably smarter. And then the other big one is stable diffusion. The way I understand it, stable diffusion basically can upgrade your art. So you could sketch something yourself. You could hand draw some idea that you want to do and then pick a style or whatever. And it will basically get the idea and then recreate it into art. I think that's amazing, especially for a lot of artists. Like I wish I could have all of my old oil paintings, which are good ideas, but maybe not executed very well. I could just put it in stable diffusion and it could just fix everything and make it beautiful. That's a really cool tool that I never had access to when I was doing fine art. And as you say, I mean, that, those are your original paintings. And so you're probably, you feel fine about using those, right? As, as almost yeah. like a prompt. So just to explain to people, so I played around with a tool that was built on the original Dolly earlier this year. And my first NFTs were essentially special edition books with an image that I built using AI generation from my text. And that was back in like March, I was doing that. And what's interesting is exactly what you say. So I used just a basic pair of wings <laughs> like here's some wings as a image prompt plus text from my book a thousand fiendish angels and then i asked it to do it in the style of leonardo da vinci the notebooks mm -hmm. and i got some beautiful images of these anatomical drawings of demonic wings basically that i then minted as part of my nft process but why i'm mentioning that is i use leonardo da vinci's notebooks as a part of the prompt so that the ai knew what style and you've talked there about using different styles and this is part of the problem right let's get into some of the controversies part right. of the problem is that we living like Leonardo da Vinci doesn't care <laughs> he's also out of copyright but many people are using living artists work as a mm -hmm. style prompt so talk about how that's working and what your thoughts are on that uh, sure so that's the easiest way to get started but also of course it has big differences, uh, big controversies and difficulties, because what everybody else is saying is that all AI art stole content from other artists. So you can't trust any of it because we don't really understand how it works or where it's pulling its sources from. So because it stole all these pictures from all over the internet, we have to be very sensitive about using it. So that's kind of just on the back end of how the art was made. It looked at millions and millions of pictures. A lot of those pictures were from stock photo sites, to take one example. So it looked over maybe iStock or deposit photos. It looked at all those pictures. And legally, the way it works is that it's not illegal because everybody can get inspiration from looking at a picture. I'm allowed to look at a bunch of stock photo pictures to get an idea and then create new art. I don't have to buy every picture that I looked at if I'm not actually using it. I'm using it as inspiration, but I'm not like copying and pasting a little piece of this picture. So it's legal for humans to do this. People are trying to argue that it shouldn't be legal for AI to do this without permission, especially when they're going through deviant art and they're looking at a bunch of artists' portfolios and that's where they're getting the inspiration. It gets really tricky for like sci-fi and fantasy because there aren't a lot of stock photos of things that don't exist for obvious reasons. So the only way that they can know what this looks like is by all of the fan art that's been made, like Lord of the Rings fan art or Star Wars fan art. And there's millions of pictures, but they required a real artist to create in the first place. And now AI can create something 
similar very easily, but only because of all the humans that went before. So that's why people are upset, but it's not illegal because they're not really using the image itself. They're just looking at it for inspiration to create something different. With the prompts, if you're using a specific prompt of a specific living artist, right now, that's an easy way to get some good results. I think probably there's a strong legal case for those artists to sue to get their names blocked. And that's already sort of happening in Midjourney where certain terms are banned. So you just can't use those terms. I don't know how they're going to deal with it because I think every artist would have to bring their own law case. And most artists just aren't going to to bother doing that. But I think we will see that. They might just, you know, a blanket statement. You can't use the names of any living artists, but that means like somebody's got to go through those millions of names and figure it all out. I don't know if that's ever going to happen either. Yeah. And just to be clear for people listening, as far as I can see, and from what I've read, that it is not plagiarism. So plagiarism is on the output. So if I download your book, one of your books, and I upload it under my name, or I take your piece of art and I publish it under my name, that is plagiarism. But what the what is amazing for the text and the music as well, and the art, is that what the AI is generating, it's not plagiarism. It's, as you said, it's learned and it's modeling, but each output is completely different, which is, mm-hmm. it's almost, it feels kind of miraculous when you play with it, right? It, it You can generate a hundred different versions of the same mm-hmm. prompt and it's not plagiarizing anyone, even though it might be in the style of Leonardo da Vinci. So mm-hmm. I think this is, it's so difficult. And yet, as you say, I think it's, it's almost too late, but also I want to come down to what I think is where we're going to have to go with all of this as artists is, look, we're already in an age of digital abundance, right? You go on KU and there's a billion books or you want to do some art, there's a billion images and loads and loads of images every single Mm -hmm. day coming out of these machines. So it's almost like if we're in an age of abundance, the artist themselves has to build a personal brand in that we've always said this, but if you are an artist whose work is popular enough to, for people to use you as a model, maybe there's ways you could actually riff off that as, look, I am a leader in this field. I am someone that people want to emulate. I almost feel mm-hmm. you have to turn it on its head. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would definitely do that if people were using my name. And it's almost something like I could try to shoot for. Like if I created you know, a million awesome pictures of a certain style and then use my name or a hashtag or something so that I could, you know, when people search for best prompts for mid-journey, which is something people Google, and I should just have a a blog post about that. There's two things, because on the one hand, I I get a lot of traffic by teaching people how to do things. And on the other hand, I'm finally at the point, like with my own writing, where I can just use it for myself. So I'm excited. I made the series that I finished is a vampire book. So I made a hundred really sexy male vampires, but they're all different. They're all unique. So instead of just like with an ad, instead of putting one vampire, I can put a Facebook post with a hundred vampires and my blurb and my book. And the advantage is that people don't really click or share an ad, but if it's just cool art, if I target people who like vampires and they just see this huge gallery of a hundred vampires, they're going to spend a lot more time clicking through and looking at all the different pictures. I'm going to get more engagement that's something I couldn't have done, even if I like hired 
one artist to make me a couple really good pieces of art. It's the quantity that I think has the most value because I can suddenly make not just tons of different stuff, but a whole bunch of very similar stuff that has its own kind of value just because there's so many, the diversity of the different images that I'm sharing. So instead of getting someone's attention for two or three seconds, I can get their attention for five minutes because they have to look through all of my images. And that's pretty valuable because it tells Facebook or Google that people are spending time on my site and that'll be good for me. Also, I can immediately get them in the mood, like with my blurb, with my vampire blurb, even if though, though it's pretty good, I can, with one image of a vampire, I can make them feel all those feelings that when they were reading Twilight or their favorite vampire media or whatever, I can just show them pictures and get them to feel like they want more of that kind of content because it's already in them. They already have that affinity with vampire art and they've never seen any vampire art as good as the ones that I'm making with AI or, or mid-journey. Um, so I'm excited to, like, to share those because when I do it, it'll be the first time people have ever seen something like that. So I think my ads will get a lot more traction and cost a lot less, which should mean that I can sell more books. I, I love that example around social media and images. And also, I think you're right about being early in some sense, but I think this is the future. So mm-hmm. all of these and these things are creating aspects. Like I saw um, there was an image on Instagram that made me stuff. It was a heart that was made that this person does hearts, human hearts made out of all different things like cogs and wheels, like a mm-hmm. steampunky one. And then it just all these different materials that they were using to create human hearts out of that were all AI generated. And it makes me keep going back because I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, that's really cool. I wonder what they're going to come up with uh, as yeah. a different material next time. And so you're you're completely right but let's talk about you mentioned before the difficulties with using it in book covers versus things like social media so let's talk about copyright <laughs> i've been part of talking about this and i've done submissions with the alliance of independent authors to the world intellectual property organization the uk government about what's happening but essentially the legalities are way behind so what are your thoughts on copyright and this ai art sure so the reason that most book cover designers are so against it completely, which they kind of have to be because it's their business, but it's that you can't really copyright the images that you create with these tools. That might change in the future. Uh, Right now, most of them are trying to be a little careful with letting people use the tools. That's why they're kind of in beta or test mode. Mid-journey went out of the gate really early by letting people use the tool without a lot of, of clarity, legal clarity. So they basically say on the website that you have the copy you have the commercial right to do whatever you want with these pictures so it's not illegal to use them on book covers i can do that with the license so whatever i make on midjourney i can use however i want but i also cannot claim copyright on it i can't say this is my image i'm using it on my book cover nobody else can use it so if somebody else did use it then i can't come after them legally because i made it in midjourney which is sort of open source because it bases on other people's art. I think that's probably to protect themselves. And there have been some cases already where someone tried to copyright like a book made from AI content. So in in my understanding, if you made a bunch of images, but you put it together in a coloring book, for example, you should be able to copyright the, co- the co- you should be able to copyright the coloring book because it's a new product that you put together. So the value is not just the images themselves. 
anyway, so it's messy and I think it'll continue to be messy for a while. But with the sites, like there's the artist sites that cater to artists, they, their clientele, their business is the artist. So it makes sense for them to say, we don't accept AI art because artists don't like it and they have to protect that. Um, for the stock photo sites, they also have to be sort of careful because if I someone uploads AI art to deposit photos and I buy it and use it for my book cover, if it was close enough to someone else that someone could sue over it, I would have protection from deposit photos because I bought it from them and then they would be in trouble. That can't really happen with MidJourney because they don't really steal images. They make something new, but that's why stock photo sites are being really careful. But that's only right now. At the same time, both Google and Facebook are already developing a complete video AI system, which is pretty similar, but I'll be able to say like for book trailers or something, I'll be able to say a vampire running in the moonlight to his castle or a young woman running through the woods at night chased by demons. And it can make not just a picture, but a whole moving video that I can use, which would be amazing for advertising or promotion. Um, and those are in the works. So the main thing is that like those are owned by the biggest companies in the world and they'll want to profit or monetize or they'll just use it for their own things. I wouldn't be surprised if like they create their own stock video or stock photography sites, fully AI to compete with deposit photos or stock photos who have been around for a while. But I think AI is going to be so much better. It's going to have so many better looking things that you can buy that most regular consumers, they don't really care how it's made. They just want the best stuff. Like if they're going to buy videos or art or music, they're going to buy whatever's best, whatever's cheapest, whatever's easiest. And that's not really a moral discussion. That's just what the majority of consumers who pay for things, that's what buyers are going to look for. Uh, so there's the mid journey or like stable diffusion. Some of them are trying to be more open source where they're not going to get messy with the business. And then some of them are made by big businesses who are going to get really clear with the legality of it because they're going to make a lot of money from it. And I think you've hit there on what I think is the future for creators and for translators, narrators, you know, writers is mm -hmm. using the tools as part of the process. Because as you said, even if it even if you make a piece of art in AI and download it and you're a book cover designer, then you still need to do the text. You still need mm -hmm. to be the person who prompts it. And to me, the future for the visual art side is helping people get to the design and where you want it to go. I mean, as a book cover designer, mm -hmm. the process is going backwards and forwards and tweaking and all of that. And that is so much quicker with AI generation. It's like, here's mm -hmm. a whole load of stuff. Which one do you prefer? And so I, I feel like in the same way that I know a lot of translators who use DeepL as part of a first draft process, and then mm -hmm. they do the tweaking and the making it all the right the right words but the bulk of it can be generated I feel like that's what artists that's what a lot of writers are going to do is we use the tools as part of our process but the artistic vision the prompting the curation the personal brand all of those things are still individual to the person and in an age of abundance that is still the strength it's that creative direction mm -hmm. yeah and so I mean you have to have the time to to do. I've spent, I don't know, hundreds of hours probably in the last couple of months. I think I spent like 
with Midjourney, you can pay 30 bucks a month and then it's unlimited, but it's a little bit slow. And then you pay an extra 50 bucks to get fast hours. So I spent like three or 400 bucks this week on just downloading images faster because I'm impatient. Not everyone's going to have the time to sit around and make pictures. I do it like when I'm watching Netflix or whatever. And I've made like a thousand variations of one thing trying to get the one picture that I might actually use. So a lot of it feels a little bit wasteful, but I wouldn't be able to get anything near like the quality of the stuff that I'm making. I don't think I could even put together in Photoshop. It would just take too long, especially like the ornate decorations of the gold embellishment and the armor, the hairpin or whatever, really detailed stuff that I couldn't find stock photos to buy those elements, but I can generate them really quickly. So for making covers faster, I'm pretty excited about it. I know a lot of authors are skeptical, especially with the copyright thing, because I think copyright is really important. Personally, that doesn't bother me. Like you mentioned, text is a huge deal. So I'm going to brand my series with the typography anyway. And a lot of authors, even if they can get cheap art, that's great. They can't put the nice text on and it's going to look unprofessional. So being able to just know the the picture shows the setting and the mood a little bit, but the genre is really type dependent. So good designers will know which fonts to use to make sure you're communicating the right genre for your book cover. And that's a really important piece of book cover design. So you can't just kind of make everything by yourself, but you could get the art and then you could use a template or you could just Google best dance, best fonts for fantasy, uh, stuff like that, and find a font that you like and hire someone to put the text on. I think you can I think the main thing is previously, some authors got more famous or more successful because they could afford really high quality cover art. So really good cover art costs 500 bucks to a thousand bucks. And if you don't have that kind of a budget and you're trying to make it yourself, there's an advantage to being successful and to being able to afford the best cover designers. I think this is going to open it up for a lot of other people who have good books, but don't have good cover art to suddenly step up their game in a significant way and suddenly be those people who they were getting ahead because they could afford good cover designers. Maybe they won't have as much of an edge anymore. The other thing I want to emphasize is the the fun and the delight aspect. Um, Yeah, because I played with the text generation with like pseudo write, but also art generation. And I smile a lot and I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's beautiful. Or that's, uh, that's, that's funny or that's unexpected. And when I first started getting into this AI stuff, I just wanted to clone myself and generate stuff that was out of similar to my work. So I could do more of my work. And now I've changed my mind. And in fact, I did train a model in terms of the writing. I trained a model on my writing and then what it output was too similar to me and I didn't want it I wanted a different mind so do you feel that (laughs) as an art visual artist as well do you feel that sense of delight and fun as well yeah it's completely addicting and I've got an addictive personality so like I won't go to bed I'll just be in bed clicking one more time every new (laughs) image you have to respin because it's like scrolling through social media where you're just looking for anything interesting that'll catch your attention and give you that dopamine boost. So everything else aside, I can see this becoming hugely popular just because it's fun to use. No, me too. And so if people listening are like, yeah, I want to try that. I mean, when I was doing this a few months back, it was a little more technical, but it looks like things are getting easier and easier to use now, right? 
You don't have to be a Things programmer is what I mean. Um, there's a bunch of new apps that are coming out. I think even Midjourney has an app right now, but I don't think it's great. Midjourney is kind of weird because they make you use Discord, which is like a chat server, and then you put in your prompts. So when you first sign up with Midjourney and Discord, Midjourney is its own website where you have your account and it'll show all your images. And then Discord has different chat areas and a lot of them are public. So when you start off, there'll be like 20 public areas and you can see everybody else's art and see what they're working on. But you can also create your own private channel. I just in Discord, I just created my own channel and then you can import the whole Midjourney app. So now I'm just making all my images privately. So another reason I don't worry about the copyright is that no one else can see these images until I decide to share them. So if I just put them on my covers, like I'm not worried someone else is going to use the same thing. It's it feels like it's it feels like it's hard to start using because of the whole Discord thing, but it takes a few hours to kind of get into it. And the results are just so impressive with so little effort that I think once people try it, they'll get hooked pretty fast. And as you say, things are changing. I mean, I've really noticed, and we're doing this because people have asked me, in in a way, like even four months ago, people were saying to me, I don't want to hear about AI, stop talking about it. And then now people are like, oh, tell me about this AI art. It's almost (laughs) like in the last three months, even as we talk, but this has gone mainstream and it's really hooked people because it's so easy to see visually rather than read stuff. I did want to mention, I only saw this today, actually, on Twitter, the website generated dot com with two r's it has images and prompts to use with dolly too so presumably you Uh can also do that and they have generated movie posters which Mm. people have started to talk about on twitter as using for book cover design because it includes typography so and that's the first time i've seen Uh it i mean this tweet only came out a couple of weeks ago as we as we record this but Mm. it's like where do you think we're going to be within a year's time or three years time. I think that is very likely and kind of crazy. I haven't played around with the typography yet, but I have seen some of that stuff. So I could say the title of my book, book cover design, this is what I want. And it'll just make the whole finished thing that I could use. I think we'll we'll be there within a year, which is insane because then nobody will need cover designers anymore. They can just make their own art. I'm always sort of on the side of making it easier for people to do creative things better. So authors are more suited towards writing. Writing is probably the main skill that they want to get good at. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to invest a ton of time getting good at Photoshop or something, but artwork is very, very valuable. So I've seen people using it already for character concepts. I have one friend who opened up a private discord for her own readership so that they could come in and make character concepts for her books. I've seen people make character concepts and post them on Kickstarter because on Kickstarter, you really need images to communicate the feeling of the book if you've only got a rough draft. And then I've seen people using like chapter design headers. I see people sell like the full page illustrations or the chapter header, just that cute, cool little motif on the top of the book for book formatting. They can do those really well also. So you can get much better quality stuff that you just couldn't even get before. Even if you could afford it, designers weren't capable of making stuff this cool. Now you can get it. It's not just like an alternative or a replacement. It's just something that didn't exist before. So for for authors, I think it's really exciting because it'll make publishing so much easier 
And the cover is so important to getting their books read and sold. So this is just like one lower barrier so that people can focus on their writing and still have better results. But I do think it's going to displace a whole lot of really big established business institutions. So things are going to change in a big way in a couple of years in in not just writing and, and digital artwork, but all the stock photo sites, all the stock music or video sites, a whole bunch of stuff. So we're at the very beginning of a really large shift. The controversy was because self-publishing is a really small community and we like to support cover designers, and there's only 10 or 20 really good cover designers that a lot of people use because they're sort of the best in the industry. And all of the cover designers are very, very against the idea of AI art because it makes it more difficult for them to sell their services because now there's an alternative. So they're right to be questioning the sources and it makes authors feel a little bit bad. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, they, they love AI art, they love the images, but they can't support it because they want to support their cover designers. And that's a nice feeling. It's a nice idea, but I think authors have sort of been trained that we have to support each other. Like we're all the underdogs and cover designers and so publishers, we're all fighting against the the big traditional industry. So we have to support each other. But uh, I always feel for creative people, you have to be providing value. If you're not providing value that people want at a price they can afford, that's kind of on you. I don't like as a cover designer, I wouldn't want someone to hire me out of pity or to support me. I want them to get the best work, however they can get it. Mm. So Kevin Kelly says, don't race against the robots. The future is going to be basically working with the robots and belongs to those people who can learn to use the tools. And I read a lot of books about this stuff. And what they talk about is that people who don't learn the new tools will be displaced, but those Mm -hmm. who learn to use them and learn to drive them. So I think you're more likely to be hired as a book cover designer because most people will not spend the hours learning how to prompt things. And I don't believe there ever will be an easy button. So there might be a button that says generate book cover. But as you say, it's not just about that. You have to do the iterations. You have Mm -hmm. to have a design principle in your head. And I feel like that is something that most people won't do. So I could Mm -hmm. format my own print books, but I don't. I choose a book formatter because I don't want to spend my time doing that for one. (laughs) So there are lots of people who are going to say, look, I want to use, I want to hire a book cover designer. And if they generate images with Midjourney or whatever, I'm fine with that. So Mm -hmm. I would say to people, look, even if there is an easy button, people won't use it, but I don't think there will be. We're moving into this ever more abundant phase of art and music and words. And so we have to come back to the curation, the personal branding, the artistic direction, and almost build our products and everything around that. Because otherwise, in a world of abundance, it's very hard to find anything. So curation becomes more and more important, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And you're right that most people aren't going to do it. I always feel like, you know, this is awesome. Everybody should do it. But the majority of writers they haven't heard of AI art, they're not interested, they're going to probably hire a cover designer regardless because they just don't want to do it themselves. I think that's always going to be the case for the majority of authors, which means that the authors who do self-publish and do use AI art, if they're able to put up something that looks amazing and looks different, um, all of my book covers so far have been pretty pretty on genre. So fine, they do what they're supposed to do, 
but they're not over the top amazing. I might experiment with doing some that are a little more creative just because they stand out more, which is not something you can do on the low end, but you can do on the high end. Mm, absolutely. Exciting times ahead. So I, I hope you'll you'll keep sharing with your experiments on your blog. Is that something you're going to keep doing? Yeah, I haven't decided. I almost want to make just like a, a dump file because I have thousands of pictures now. So like I started posting like fantasy pictures. It's also good for SEO. So I can put pictures of mermaids or pictures of vampires and show up in Google search results or get a lot of traffic for people looking for for images. But that's a whole that's nother project. Term. I have a yeah, lot of projects. Yeah, I really just have to finish my books, which are the main thing that I want to be doing. Absolutely. So tell us a bit more about what you have in terms of books and courses and where people can find you and everything you do online. So my main website is creativeindie.com. I've got a free book on Amazon that's Book Marketing is Dead and several more about publishing and book marketing. More recently, I've been focused on writing. So I have books about the craft of writing and some pretty long video series about writing. I'm on YouTube. I think I have 3 million views on, on YouTube as well. So I have tons of free content that'll last a long time. And then I also have a limited number of spots for coaching or editing and book cover design, that kind of stuff. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Derek. That was great. Thanks. So I hope you found the discussion with Derek to be interesting. And as ever, please have a go with these tools before you make up your mind about things. It is much easier to see what it all means if you have a go at creating something rather than thinking you understand without having a look. Because AI generation is, yeah, it's just a very different process. It's not something we've really done before. So give it a go. And I'd love to know what you think. Please leave a comment on the show notes or the YouTube channel. Tweet me at the creative pen or email me joanna at the creative pen.com. And of course, if you tweet me uh, or you could email me, you can share your images. So I'd love to see if you give things a go, what you come up with. Um, you can always just tag me on Twitter. So coming on Monday, back to the usual format, I'm talking to Maria Brito about how creativity rules the world. And and the image I'll use on that blog post will also be AI generated. So Maria comes from the world of visual art in New York. So she is a fascinating guest. So happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.